Uh, well, you can have a seat. And good morning once again. Uh, as I said earlier, my name is Jacob Smith, and I am the teaching pastor here at Anderson College. I mean, I just want to welcome you to Grace. Uh, we are starting, uh, we're one week into kind of the, the first series of our semester in which we are looking at God's guidance, get God's wisdom as revealed to us in the book of Proverbs. And we're doing this uh, because this past summer, as I was preparing for the spring, uh, I just could not escape the feeling that God was pre- pressing on my heart that, man, we, we are in a position right now, right here, where every single one of us, we want to make better decisions, right? We, we want to live with fewer regrets. And we have actually been given the gift from our Lord of wisdom, that God, our God has graciously provided his people with guidance to skillfully navigate every season of life. And a lot of this guidance, as I said, is found in the book of Proverbs, which is focused not only on our conduct, on what we do, but also it's focused on our character, meaning who we are at our core, at our innermost being. And so as we study this book, kind of what we'll do over the next uh, couple months is we'll be focusing first on how God's wisdom intersects and guides our relationships. And so last week we started by looking at the best friends. We, we started by looking at, man, what was the best design that God has for our close community? This morning we'll be focused on God's design for biblical manhood. Who is the best man? How does he live? What does he look like and where is he headed? Next week, uh, Allison Ledette and I will be teaching on biblical womanhood, looking at the best woman, God's design for a woman who who lives attuned to his heart, the the conduct and the character of that particular lady. And then the next week, we'll be learning about kind of the best leader. In other words, we'll be learning about the, the best way to use our influence in a wise manner that, that brings benefit not just to ourselves, but also to the people around us. And I'll tell you, this is a very complex topic, right? This is a lot of information, a lot of wisdom to sift through. And so as we do that, I would encourage you uh, to track along with us, uh, whether it's through our website that will kind of give you a heads up. It, it has links to all of our podcasts that are on iTunes if you need to get caught up. Uh, it'll give you a heads up of what's coming along. Uh, we also do a really great job of keeping people up to date through our Instagram that essentially will we'll kind of recap where we've been and we'll give you previews of where we're headed. Uh, but most importantly, I would encourage you to be immersing yourself in the Word of God, learning from Him directly around these same themes and topics. Uh, and, and one of the ways that we have kind of equipped you to do that is we've put together a, a reading plan through the Version Bible app that we launched last week that I, I hope is a really helpful resource for many of us as we're trying to learn more about what, does the, what do Proverbs say, right? what does God say in Proverbs, but also what does God say in surrounding Scripture around these same ideas and topics of relationships, of, of friends and men and women and, and leadership. And so uh, if you go through the Uversion app and you look under all their, like, they have a ton of devotionals and reading plans. If you look, search for the best or search for a Grace College, uh, this will be one of your top results. And man, I hope it's a, it's a helpful resource as you're seeking to spend time in the Word on a day-to-day basis, learning from God, being guided in your prayer and your application. So as I said, this morning we'll be focusing on uh, God's design for the best man. Uh, and the hope of this is that we would be kind of looking at who's the man that, that we want to be as men, for those of us that are men, and then also the man that uh, those of us who are ladies want to be with. Like, who, who, what should define, uh, what should describe the guy that we want to hitch our wagon to 
for the rest of this dusty old trail called life. Right? That's, that's the goal. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I, I want to just be, I want to take a moment and just kind of be honest uh, and uh, let you know a little bit about this past week for me uh, personally. Um, I, I left this service, I left the 11 o'clock service last week um, and, and went home, dropped my kids off, uh, and then immediately went to uh, the emergency room uh, because my wife was there. She had not told me until after the service, but she, uh, my, my parents live here in town and they had actually taken her uh, to the emergency room because uh, she had been experiencing some, some strange symptoms, some like headaches for, for a few weeks, but she had suddenly started developing these tremors and uh, it was scary. And so she, my parents took her to the ER. I, I went and met her there uh, and it really kicked off uh, really just a whirlwind of a week. Uh, I, I, we've spent a lot of days, a couple different days in the ER. We spent a few days uh, meeting with uh, doctors and a neurologist, and she got an MRI and waiting on phone calls uh, with results about different things. And, and I'll tell you, um, yeah, this past week for me personally has just been uh, wild. It's been wild. Uh, and, I, and I tell you that um, because I just want to kind of let you know that, that for s- some of you, um, you've been walking through in life, maybe currently or in your past, you, you've walked through this type of circumstance of really kind of mysterious, undiagnosed illness. And uh, I just want to let you know that my empathy for you uh, has grown and deepened a lot over this past week. Um, I also recognize that you know, God used this week to kind of remind me that, I mean, some of y'all are walking into this room, coming out of a week that was way scarier than mine, that shook you up in ways that you never expected. Um, and again, I mean, my, my heart breaks for you. And, and I, I, I know I have an inkling of what maybe some of us have experienced. Uh, and I also tell you this because... Um, at one point during this week, my, my wife had been reading right before one of our appointments in the morning. Um, she had been reading in the Word, and she had left her Bible out kind of on a, our counter. And I was just curious, and so I kind of glanced out. I was trying to see what she was reading. And she was reading Psalm 16 that we just read. And uh, she told me, she was like, yeah, I was, I, you know, I was reading through that. Um, kind of came to mind, and I was, I was really trying to like grab a hold of it. It's just because it, it really just... It really st- struck me that, that David was able to just trust in the Lord, that he was able to make God his hope, even in difficult circumstances. And so I just, I love it. I, I want to remember this passage today as we go to this appointment and get word on these different things. It's like, I, I want to hold on to it because of especially verse 8, where David says that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be shaken. And she thought that was perfect because she was literally shaking. Uh, she's like, so I'm shaking, but I'm not shaken. I was like... You crazy wordsmith, you. That was a good, nice move. Uh, but, you know, through that, what, what I saw was the truth, the, the reality that, I mean, we're, we're going to talk through some qualities of, of the man you want to be or the man you want to be with, and we're going to look at how wisdom plays out. But I'll, I'll tell you right here, right now, if you don't hear anything else this morning, that the most essential quality that you can develop for yourself the most essential quality that you can discover in the person that you could potentially spend the rest of your life with is that very deep dependency 
on Jesus Christ. And that's it. And that's what I got to see reflected in my wife. And seeing her live that out just opened my eyes in a lot of ways. And it changed the way that I was approaching this morning. Changed this morning in a lot of ways for me in that I I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Um, But it also changed in that I, I was able to recognize that, man, even though as we walk through these great principles and little bullet points, I'll have words highlighted and different verses and all that stuff, man, please hear me when I say that the most crucial characteristic, the most crucial attribute, the most crucial description, the most crucial defining piece for us is a willingness to depend on the Lord in every storm, in every situation, that we can come back to that truth that our God loves us, that he sent Jesus Christ because he cares about us, that he's calling us to himself. He's good. And that's why even in the book of Proverbs, when we look at this idea of wisdom, we're told right off the bat that the beginning of that wisdom is actually found in a right fear of the Lord, in recognizing who he is and what he can do. That's where wisdom starts. But as I said, uh, this morning we're also going to be looking specifically not just at wisdom, but how it's applied to the life of a man. And what we'll find as we look through kind of three different types of men laid out in the book of Proverbs is that the wise man is in fact worth the work and he is worth the wait. In other words, if you are a man, it is worth the effort, because it's going to take effort. It's worth the frustration. It's worth the hurt. It's worth the struggle to be a wise man, to take the steps that are necessary, that are hard, but are healthy. And for those of us that are looking at men or are sitting next to that man, that we're like, hey, he seems pretty great. He doesn't know that yet, but I'll tell him after the service, right? Like that's, as if you're sitting in that place, I mean, I want you to know Waiting for the wise man is absolutely worth it. It's not worth it to settle for for some guy just because he's there, just because he's convenient, or just because he's interested. Because as I said, we're going to look at these three different types of men, and two of them, man, you do not want to be and you do not want to be with. Uh, The book of Proverbs lays them out like this. They, They describe, or it describes essentially the naive man, the foolish man, and then the wise man. And as we look at these, my hope is that we'll not only see the descriptions of them, uh, which we will, but we will also see the direction that they're taking. In other words, kind of in God's wisdom, he's given us kind of the end of the story. He's told us where it's all going to wind up. So as we look at the idea of the naive man, uh, it shows up in Proverbs chapter 1, where the the author, Solomon, is is writing about wisdom, and it's often used, he uses this illustration of personifying wisdom as this lady, as this woman who's just yelling in the middle of streets. He says this in chapter 1, verse 20. He says that wisdom calls out in the street, and she shouts loudly in the plazas. At the head of the noisy streets, she calls, and in the entrances of the gates in the city, she utters her words. Again, he comes back to this illustration time and again, where you have just this woman who is the personification of wisdom, and she's screaming at the top of her lungs in the most crowded places of the city. 
In other words, wisdom is readily available for anyone who would listen. And this is what she starts with. She says, uh, how long will you simpletons love naivety? How long have mockers delighted in mockery? And how long will fools hate knowledge? Literally the, the Hebrew term, she's saying, how long will you simple people love simplicity? It's this beautiful little wordplay. She says, how long will fools hate? How long will they despise and reject knowledge? She says, this is the issue of our age, that there are men and women, but specifically today, men who are simple and naive. There are men who are fools, and they are not walking the path of wisdom. And when we talk about this idea of being naive, it's, it's this love of simplicity. It's this, it's this kind of complacency in ignorance. It's also described in Proverbs uh, chapter 14 as this. It says that a naive person will believe anything, but the shrewd person discerns his steps. So a naive person, the simple man will believe anything. In other words, not only is he complacent in his simplicity, but he's also inconsistent. He's going to just buy into whatever seems right in the moment. And he's going to be pulled one direction and then the next and then the next and then the next. He's never standing on stable ground because he's just going to believe anything that comes, that he comes across. Whereas a shrewd person saw danger and hid himself, the naive passed on by and paid for it. So not only is he complacent and inconsistent, but he is belligerent. That even when there are warning signs and and red flags, he's just going to continue on his path, passing by the signs of danger, and he's going to pay for it. He's going to pay for it. He doesn't care enough to make a change. And so in the end, Proverbs tells us that the waywardness of the simpletons will kill them, and the careless ease of fools will destroy them. That at the end of the day, the naive and the fool will suffer. That they're going to pay the cost of their complacency, of their rejection of wisdom and knowledge. It's going to catch up to them. Right? The naive man doesn't know the right way to go. He doesn't see any reason to change, and he makes poor decisions along the way. In other words, the naive man simply does not care enough to change. He does not have the motivation, the inspiration, the, the ability, the, the desire to alter his course of action or his mindset. He just, he's just apathetic. And so it leads him into, into moments, into experiences, into actions that really aren't best. And he's, he's headed in just the absolute wrong direction in this world, as seen by a little buddy named Ian right here. Ian, what would you like to be when you grow up? Hear it. A <laughs> Ian is naive. He's also very young, so, you know, he's got time to change. But the reality is that the naive man, that's, that's the path he's on. He's just going to be a carrot. Why? Because maybe he ate one that day? I don't know. But the naive man does not care enough to change. So even when evidence stacks up against him, even when people are making a case for a different course of action, for a different path in life, he, just, he doesn't care. And so if we as men are honest with ourselves, I think we should be checking, okay, am I in fact naive? And, and to do that, kind of for all of these uh, types of men, I, I have 
questions. Simple questions that are not perfect, but could be helpful in helping us see, okay, is this something that really is defining how I'm living at this moment? So maybe as men, we should be asking ourselves, well, do I finally, do I regularly find myself in the wrong place with the wrong people? Do I often find myself in circumstances and in contexts that aren't great? And then when it leads to, you know, issues or problems or poor decisions, that's kind of where I shift blame. I say, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I, I didn't really want to do that, but I was just, I was in this place, right? Am I constantly maybe making excuses for myself saying, I, I didn't know that they were going to be doing that, right? Like, I didn't know that that was going to be taking place. Are we, are we putting the blame of our failure onto just our life circumstances that we, in fact, could have actually avoided if we were discerning, if we had taken the time to think critically, are we often saying to ourselves or about ourselves, I, I, I didn't know going there would be a bad idea, right? I, I didn't know. I, I forgot that all those things were going to take place. I didn't know that they, you know, were going to use those eggs and that possum in that way. Right? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, that was weird. <laughs> uh, but let's... I don't know what you did in high school, but listen... <laughs> uh, Are we often shifting blame to our circumstances, claiming to be the victim in every failure? Are we, in fact, maybe needing to ask ourselves, do I have goals or plans beyond tomorrow? Right? That speaks to the complacency. Am I actually making plans? And I don't mean just dreams, right? I don't mean just like, someday I want to be an accountant who uses Excel. Right? Like, that's a great dream. But are we actually taking, is it a goal? Like, are there action steps taking you there? Because if you just have these, you know, aspirations and ideas, but are not actually moving along a path that you've thought through and is planning to get you to that point, well, then dreams are worthless. As ladies interested in men or looking for a wise man, I would check, you know, run the filter checking for naiveness and and asking, okay, well, am I constantly making excuses for this person when they make up, when they mess up? Sorry. Am I always having to kind of like sweep up their mess and pick up the clutter and and make excuses of like, oh, well, he just like, he didn't know or like, yeah, like that's that's not your fault. Like that's on them or him or her or whatever. Ask yourself about this guy. Does, does he have plans after graduation, right? What's his trajectory in life? What are his big goals? What are his, you know, big dreams? Where where is he headed? Not just what does he say, but what is he doing to move in that direction that he claims that he wants to go? And ask yourself for this guy, okay, well, is he complacent with just the status quo? Or is he looking for ways to improve, progress, learn, and grow? Is he actually teachable? Is he learning? Is he growing? Is he improving? Or is he just kind of drifting along day to day or week to week from like one bad, barely passing grade to the next? What's his life? Test it. Ask yourselves these these questions. And again, you know, we're going to get to this here in a moment, but the, the truth is that there's always hope. 
Right? We'll see this at the start when we start to look at the wise man. There's this incredible hope in the book of Proverbs that says that the naive man can always turn and start to learn. That the foolish man can always turn and start to grow. That, again, wisdom is crying out in the streets. Our God is one who loves to redeem hopeless scenarios. So if that's where we are, if we're saying, man, I, I think I'm, I'm living very similarly, I'm checking a lot of these boxes, I'll encourage you, this could be the moment, this could be the semester, this could be the season where you decide as a man, I'm going to step up. I'm willing to make the change. I, I'm, I feel the conviction. I, I'm ready. I have the motivation. I want to break out of this complacency. I want to break out of being the naive. And for girls, I would encourage you, man, just look out. There's a big difference between someone who's just kind of easygoing and someone who's just going nowhere. So look out. Be wise, discerning in your judgment. And for dudes, just practically, um, two books that I would strongly recommend that are great sources for self leadership uh, are Oldie But Goldies. Man, this Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it's been out. Over 30 years, 30 million copies sold. The 80s were rocked by this book. And I'll tell you, it's because there's a lot of wisdom in it. And it's, it's, it wasn't a lot of new stuff. It was simply uh, Stephen Covey. He put all of this kind of old wisdom. Uh, he had even knowledge and he had familiarity with the Bible. Like he put all of that uh, just into one place and people loved it. He met with world leaders, presidents, just all, you know, high-powered CEOs, all these people. And it transformed business that transformed a lot of our achievement culture. And it's not a spiritual book by any means, but it has a lot of really helpful wisdom when it comes to, okay, how do I make changes? How do I take steps to not be complacent? How do I take steps to learn and grow and move on the path that I want to move? Right? And on the flip side, uh, J. Oswald Sanders wrote another book. It's been a long time, sold tens of millions of copies, Spiritual Leadership, a book that has transformed many lives, including my own, that is entirely focused you know, on the Christian perspective. Is, he's speaking from Scripture, talking about spiritual leadership. And it is an incredible resource to learn about. I mean, what are the qualifications? What are the attributes? What are the, what are the mannerisms and the practices of, of people who want to walk faithfully in the will of God, who want to develop themselves to be men or women of integrity, of character, of dependency and devotion upon the God who made them, who saves them, who loves them, who's calling them to himself. Both of these great resources. But as we look at these different men, right, it's not just the naive that's really bad. There's also the fool, right? And the fool uh, is, it, it gets rough, man. We're going to we're going to fire him up uh, because uh, Proverbs 10 says that the one who conceals hatred utters lies and the one who spreads slander is certainly a fool. Again, we see this term for being a fool over and over and over again. And it's, it's someone who uh, in many ways is creating destruction, right? Spreading slander. He's literally, and this is something we talked about last week. It, it, someone who's just bringing up old grievances, someone who's bringing up gossip is another way to translate this Hebrew term. Um, he's creating division, where there shouldn't be separation, right? He's creating issues and problems. He's putting fuel on fires that need to just go out. And yet he's doing it and he's, he's a fool because of it. And, and a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in disclosing what's on his mind. Oh, that guy, right? And it's 
Chad, right? Chad, who just shows up. One, one scholar put it this way. He says, this is the man who just shows up, asks a question, not because he wants to learn. He doesn't ask the question because he wants to hear your thoughts. He asks the question simply as the lead-in to where he can tell you all the things that he knows about, you know, what coronavirus, right? Like that's what, that's what he's all about. He's like, what do you think about it? Okay, now shut up and listen, right? Because this is what I think. This is the way I think these things should go. This is the man who does not care what outside influences are saying, what outside perspectives are, are, are thinking. He's just, he's, he's so sure of himself. He's so prideful, right? That's what we're seeing kind of displayed in this is he's not just destructive, he's prideful. And because of this pride, Proverbs 17 says that a rebuke, a single rebuke makes a greater impression on a discerning person than a hundred blows on a fool. I love this illustration. Literally the Hebrew term for greater impression means that it, it, it cuts deeper. In other words, you can give one piece of meaningful, constructive feedback to a wise person, to a discerning person, and they'll take it to heart. They're like, man, thank you, right? They absorb it. They learn from it. That is more effective than a fool getting punched in the face a hundred times. Why? Because he's so prideful, he refuses to learn from his own mistakes. That's why Proverbs 26 says that it's like a dog that returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Gross, right? Gross. Those of us that grew up with dogs were like, yeah, yeah, Sammy was a fool. Like, we saw this. It's disgusting. And the Lord is saying, this is the actions, this is the mindset, this is the behavioral pattern of a fool. That he repeatedly comes back to his saying, who makes the same mistake over and over and over again. He's apologizing for it, probably not even apologetic, but he, he, is make, he's, he is confessing the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because he refuses to learn. He's so caught up in himself that he refuses to listen to outside teaching. He is absolutely unteachable. He's unchangeable. And even worse than that, what we see in Proverbs 29 is that a fool lets fly with all his temper, but a wise person keeps it back. In other words, not only is he unteachable and unchangeable, but he's undisciplined. He's not even on the right path. He does not have the characteristics, attributes that, that he actually needs. We see this play out a lot of times in the way people speak or the way they behave under high emotional stress. And so if his anger flares up, he's just going to lash out. And he's going to hit whoever's closest. Pop, pop, pop. Right? He's the, the parent with the kids arguing in the back seat, and they just don't care. They're just slapping whoever has a knee that's close by, telling him to stop. Because he's so upset in that moment, he cannot rein himself in. He's undisciplined. And this type of life, I mean, what it does, this foolish child becomes a grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who bore him. He's disrespectful. People in positions of authority grieve for him. It's not that his parents are necessarily angry at him, but they are saddened by his lifestyle. They're saddened by the choices that he's making. These, these, this mom and dad who, who right, they, they love this person more than anyone else. They are the closer to this guy than anyone else. And they look at his life and they are grieved. That's the path of a fool. He's the one who troubles his family 
and so inherits nothing. He's the one who will be a servant to the wise person. In other words, he's so short-sighted. He does not see the repercussions of his actions. He does not know what path he's really on. And so in doing so, he's going to wind up losing, losing out. He's inheriting nothing. He holds no, he doesn't hold that position that he thinks he deserves. He doesn't have that ability that he thinks he has. And he's going to be serving the one who is actually wise. And what's so tragic is that the fool doesn't only destroy, kind of self-destruct, but in fact, the one who associates with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Again, something we looked at last week. That one of the issues, one of the reasons that in the book of Proverbs, as you know, a lot of it is framed as this father speaking to his son, he's telling him over and over again. Last week we saw it when we talked about friendship. He says, do not fall in to the company of fools. Do not follow these other people. And they're running down this path that's ultimately going to lead to their destruction. Why? Because it's going to hurt you as well. You're going to be, you're going to suffer the consequences of their actions, of their behavior. They're going to change the way that you think. They're going to change the way that you live. And even if you're holding out, even if maybe you make some slightly better choices than they are, I mean, you're still going to suffer because of your, how close you're, because of your proximity to these fools. The fool is someone who's headed for a rough, rough life. Summed up in Proverbs 19 like this, saying that penalties have been prepared for scorners and floggings for the backs of fools. The author is essentially trying to describe, is describing judgment. There is a special judgment reserved for the fool. There's going to be a repayment for all the mistakes, all the foolishness, all the rejection of wisdom. I mean, it's, it's going to catch up. And this is so tragic because the fool, right, is just running towards sin, is refusing correction, is spreading damage, is, is, is frustrating his family. The fool is refusing to learn from his mistakes. And I think what we're seeing laid out right here in Scripture is the, the ultimate principle that, that this is rooted in pride. That the fool is simply too proud to progress. In other words, he's, he's too self-absorbed to see his own failure and faults and deficiencies. Therefore, he will never grow. He will never change. He will never learn because he's simply too proud. And we've seen this play out, right? Maybe we've seen this play out in our own lives where we just charged ahead contrary to whatever wisdom other people try to put in front of us. Maybe we've seen this play out in a loved one and a sibling. Maybe we showed up uh, to the Thanksgiving table or the Christmas table this past semester, and we were met uh, with a situation, something like this. Right? Like, let's say there was a, like, apex predator like Bigfoot. There wouldn't be, like, thousands of them. There would only be a few. Aliens are an absolute certainty. I mean, the ever-expanding universe and the probability of human life, okay? You can agree humans exist, right? You're here? Okay, that probability is so low. How about Jeffrey Epstein? Did you see like the two cops, the two prison guards got arrested? For, uh, yeah. Why do, why do people enjoy swimming pools? Go to, go to the beach. No. Russia, Russia interfered in our elections. 100%. 100%. You just want to have a nice meal with a giant cornucopia in the middle of your table. 
And someone just walks in, guns a-blazing, right? Talking about all of his thoughts, all of his opinions, all these things that he knows to be true. And man, we see this play out and we know on some level, I, I don't want to be that, right? Like I don't want to go that direction. I don't want to wind up in that place. And so I think for many of us, for those of us that are men that are sitting here, I think we need to be asking ourselves some pointed questions. We need to ask ourselves, do I receive advice from people older than me? Do I receive advice from people who are a few steps ahead? Or do I assume that I'm right at all times? Do I generally just assume that, that they just, they don't know what they're talking about? Right? I heard one guy put it this way. He said that if, if you run into a foolish person, you know, in the morning, like, yeah, you ran into like a foolish person. That's, that happens. But if you run into nothing but foolish people all day, then you are in fact probably the fool, right? Like if you just think that every single person in Bryan College Station is a moron. Hold up the mirror. Look inward, right? Because the likelihood of that being the case is very, very slim, right? We, we see this play out where we become so, or we could be becoming so self-absorbed uh, that we're not willing to listen to good counsel. We should ask ourselves, uh, who are we listening to, right? In other words, am, am, are my friends wise? Are my friends making good decisions? Or am I constantly having to cover over their tracks and my tracks for what we're doing? I think it's good for us guys to ask ourselves, what does my relationship with my family look like? And I know that we're walking in here with a lot of different experiences with different family situations. And and this isn't going to be, you know, perfectly applicable for all of us. But if you are walking in and you have a family who knows you and loves you, who wants your best, if you have a parent or parents who care deeply about your direction in life, who maybe love the Lord, maybe don't, but want what's best for you, are, what does that relationship look like? Is it healthy? Or is it contentious? Are you always fighting? Are you always disagreeing? Are you receiving instruction and guidance from them? Because again, even if they are not following the Lord, like you are following the Lord. We are all called to honor our father and mother. That's a command straight from God. How is that playing out in your life? Not that you would obey them in every circumstance if they are disregarding the will of God, but are you a person of peace? And if, you know, for us ladies sitting in the room, we should be asking ourselves about this guy, right? Am I interested in the fool? Is he the bad guy? Billie Eilish style. Just never receiving advice. Bouncing around a room and dancing on the ceiling, right? That's that music video? I think so. Uh, does he consistently say stuff like, they can't tell me what to do, right? They don't know what they're talking about. Right? Is that, does that define him? Are, are you always having to defend him? And defend his actions uh, in front of your parents or your close friends? Are you having to make excuses like, well, he's, he's different, right? He's different when he's with me. Like, it's, you, just, you don't see every side of him, right? Or, or is he actually consistent enough that you're not having to jump to his defense in front of people who are worried about you and worried for your relationship? Are you seeing in him a, a frequent involvement in conflict and contention and fights and frustrating circumstances 
with school? Does, does he just not click with every professor he's ever had? I mean, yeah, you're not going to click with every single one, but is he just always saying, oh, man, Dr. Chad? Ugh. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Every time. Is he constantly in, in fights with, with coaches or teachers or friends or the police? I don't know. Like, where, where does this guy find himself? Is it often at the center of a storm? Because I'll tell you, that is a warning sign that you are looking at a fool, as someone who is unteachable, untrainable, unchangeable, who's so caught up in himself that he cannot see the truth and the wisdom that's outside of his own mind. So if that's where we're at, if we're seeing, okay, this, this might be who I am or this might be who I'm interested in, this is my encouragement. For you guys, it's similar to the naive. You can grow up. You can. It is possible. You can choose right now to say, you know what? I'm going to start walking a different path. I want to open myself up to the wisdom that could be all around me. And for you ladies, I would say, walk away as fast as you can. I would say this is, you know, more concerning even than the naive man, because many times I think it is harder for the fool to change than the naive man to see the light. And so I would encourage you, man, again, we all make mistakes, right? We're going to see this in the wise man, where there is always potential to, to stumble and falter and fail. But if this is what's defining him, if you look at the trajectory of your time together, you're looking at kind of, you know, the patterns of his life. If he is checking these boxes and he is a fool, then get out. Get out. Not worth it. Not worth it. But if you're a guy and you're thinking, okay, I want to learn in this. I want to grow in this. Um, And again, you know, some of these principles are kind of universal. So even for us, those of us who are ladies that are thinking, you know, I want to learn, I want to grow. Great. Here's a couple resources. Uh, practically speaking, these are, these are not books. Those books are super great. Uh, these are two podcasts that I personally love um, that are focused on personal development, that, that have a lot of wisdom. Uh, two different pastors, Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle. Uh, you know you can trust them because they both smile when they talk and use their hands. Uh, so <laughs> therefore, they are wise. Uh, but I'll tell you, they have walked through a lot of life. They've become kind of known for their leadership abilities, for their wisdom, not just that they have themselves, but the wisdom that they can bring in, acquire, and, and sift through and condense for, from other people, right? They consistently have interviews with other individuals, with men and women who have so much wisdom to bring on different elements of life. A lot of it's focused on self-personal uh, leadership. Um, you know, and they're both pastors. Like, they both speak from a biblical worldview, from a deep devotion to Jesus Christ. You know, Andy's out in Atlanta. Craig's up in Oklahoma. They uh, have a lot of wisdom that we can gain in these wonderful little, I love them because it's like 20, 30-minute bite-sized chunks. Maybe this is a helpful resource because there's always time to change. Uh, There's also a number of people who are sitting right around you who would love to encourage you who would love to provide insight, provide wisdom that maybe don't have all the answers, but are following the one who does. Uh, and I'm talking about our community groups. I'm talking about the small groups of, of men and women who, who want to follow the Lord, who want to point each other to truth and encourage and exhort and challenge one another. Something we talked about last week, but I'm saying it again. Uh, some of us followed this link uh, last week uh, and got connected with uh, our small groups. 
This is a handy-dandy link. It takes you to a very simple Google form that you can fill out. We'll get you plugged in. We'll follow up with you this week and plug you in. Take a picture, put it in your phone. And we would love to help you find community here at Grace. Some of us are all set. Awesome. Some of us, we need this. We need to widen the circle. We need to bring other perspectives into our lives. Because there's wisdom to be found in many counselors. It's another proverb that we're not reading. But I just quoted. All right? And ultimately, uh, our goal is to be the wise. Right? The wise man is who is described, I think, really wonderfully uh, in a few different ways. The first is in Proverbs chapter 8. That says, that gives this glimmer of hope to every single one of us. That you who are naive, discern wisdom. You who are fools, understand discernment. In other words, there's still time. You can always listen. You can always change. God is a God who loves to redeem what appear to be hopeless circumstances. Right? He saved the world through the brutal murder of his son. That defies all logic, defies all reason. He took what seemed to be the most hopeless of all circumstances and flipped it on its head and said, this is my thing. I love shaking up expectations. There's always hope for the naive and for the fool to actually start learning and to become the discerning person who acquires knowledge, the wise person who seeks knowledge. In other words, the the wise man is one who is committing himself to learn, to, to grow, right? This is what we see in Proverbs 9. That you don't need to approve, reprove a mocker because he'll hate you. But if you reprove a wise person, he will in fact love you. That a wise man will take that feedback. He'll take that criticism and he will absorb it. He'll learn from it. He'll grow from it. He'll be better and he'll appreciate you more because of it. That's the pattern. That's the life of a wise man. It's the attitude and the actions of one who has discernment. And in the end, it leads to victory. Proverbs 21, a wise man went up against the city of the mighty and he brought down the stronghold in which they trust. The author is using this illustration of how wisdom will always trump strength and power. That wisdom, when applied, when used, right? That knowledge applied well, which is wisdom. That wisdom will in fact win the battle. It will win the day. The greatest stronghold stands no chance against the one who is wise. The wise man is not perfect, right? He, he's not, you know, free from fault or error or mistake, but he's willing to learn from his mistakes, to receive guidance, to grow. The wise man is one who sees his own failure and seeks his own formation, who says, I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to allow them to change me, transform me, and move me to a better place. So we need to be asking ourselves, am I wise? Men, am I wise? Am I living out this principle uh, from a poet that I love, William, William Cowper? He said that knowledge is proud, that he's learned so much, but wisdom is humble that he knows no more. This is literally a quote on my desk that you know you can trust because this dude was a stone-cold killer. And William knew what was up. He says he was a believer. He's speaking uh, from a place of the knowledge that is revealed in God's word. He says, man, there's humility and wisdom Right? Whereas there's pride in just knowledge. The wise man is one who sees that he has mistakes, that he will fail, but he's willing to work through it to seek his own formation. So if you're a man, I would encourage you, stay humble. Stay humble. Recognize that even if you're checking some of these wise boxes, you've always got room to error. You've always got room to stumble. You still need people. You still need influence. You still need wisdom from outside to guide your steps. And for the ladies, I would say, don't settle. 
Don't settle. It's not worth it. The loneliness you feel of not being with someone right now is nothing compared to the loneliness that you would feel down the road, linked up with a dude who just doesn't understand you or life. It's not worth it. So I mean, my, my hope for us this morning is that we would spend some time, not just kind of you know, reading this and seeing what God says, um, but that we would take some time to really open ourselves up to conviction. That we would really just be honest with the Lord and say, God, this is where I am. God, this is where I'm kind of stumbling, right? Because even if we are walking a path that is wise, I mean, again, we, can, we drift towards being naive. We drift towards being a fool. So my hope is that we would take a moment right now before we enter into worship, to pray and ask, say, God, show me, where is it that I'm starting to stray? God, give me the inspiration. Give me the motivation. Give me the people. Start the conversation that I need to get me on track. So let's go to him and ask for that now. God, we thank you that you've given us just so much wisdom, knowledge, and revelation in your word. Lord, we ask that we would be a people who recognize our need for you. That God, that our wisdom really would begin at that initial respect and admiration for who you are and what you've done. So if you would, take a moment right now and confess to the Lord. Say, God, this is where I am. God, this is where I'm struggling. God, I see my my mistakes piling up in this one area. God, I see this blind spot all of a sudden where I just am not, (laughs) I'm not being wise. But then in that moment of confession and conviction, ask the Lord, say, God, strengthen my hand. God, widen my circle. Maybe bring a community, bring people to help me in this. God, maybe carve out time from my week to just be still before you. God, give me the moment to call someone I trust, maybe a family member, a friend, roommate. God, set me on the right path. God, lay that line before me keep the hope of my inheritance in front of me and God let it let it change the way that I live the way that I think the way that I'm moving ask him for that conviction ask him for that strength to change right now